It's time for Lawyers for Jesus, a show about the dynamic and exciting interaction of faith and the law, featuring the attorneys from the law firm Malkin Baker in downtown Chicago. Malkin Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and for serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Hello, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Terry Liu, an attorney at the law firm of Mock and Baker in Chicago. We are Christian attorneys who focus on serving the body of Christ with his legal needs. To learn more about us, go to mockbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Or call us at 312-726-1243. With the advancement of technology comes the latest legal challenge, the status and rights of human embryos. Today, I was speaking with Rita Lowry-Gitchell, a defense litigator who speaks on and has authored several publications about the legal status of frozen human embryos. Her expertise has been called on by the Thomas More Society to help with several cases involving the personhood of human embryos, including several briefs on behalf of the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists, one of which was read by the U.S. Supreme Court. Rita, welcome to our show. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. So there was recently an article released by the Associated Press um, regarding a, uh, an abortion doctor who operated in a clinic in Indiana. He recently died, and when they went through his home, they found more than 2,000 fetal remains uh, in that home. And people at my church and people I've run into, Christians and non-Christians alike, have, have kind of uniformly reacted to this story with uh, just complex emotions. Some people are angry. Some people are confused. Um, some people just have questions. How could this happen? And what should we do with this? Um, do you have any thoughts on how we can navigate the, the emotions that people are having in response to this story? Well, the emotions are human emotions, and they cry out because each human life deserves dignity. And what is dignity? It's the recognition of this life is lost. Why was this life lost? What could it be? Why, if this doctor was a legal abortionist, did he have the need to hide and keep all these embryos and fetuses buried in his lawn? So um the reaction, for example, from the Diocese of Joliet was to say that they would like to work with the officials of the state and provide a burial and a service for each of those remains that's there. Mm -hmm. And because it just cries out to, you know, the, the, the human heart. What's, what's the story behind each life? What, what caused this to happen? And, and why? How, how old are these fetal remains? So mm -hmm. it just, in the, in the whole walk of life from conception until natural death, the fact that life is lost gives us pause. Mm. Yeah, and, and we were speaking before uh, the program at just how, even though this number, this 2,000, over 2,000 number is, is seemingly quite large, um, it represents just a fraction of the abortions that were performed by this doctor. And so it gives some sense of scale that perhaps is lost sometimes when we are discussing the issue of abortion. Exactly. I believe some of the recent statistics cited by the American Medical Association is that one in four women 
will have an abortion. So if you think of how many women there are right now and you apply that to it, obviously 2,000 is a very small number. Um, So the, the magnitude of the loss of life should make us all think. Right. Yeah. One person I spoke to, um, they sort of likened the discovery of these fetal remains in this doctor's home as as very reminiscent of. It, it sounds very disturbing, but but almost trophies. Um, that that it, something that was a representation of his work, or something that he wanted to hold on to as a memento. Um, and so there's a real. I think uh, difference in in what you're describing the view of of wanting to recognize and preserve and protect life and and seemingly how the doctor sort of viewed his work. Well, I think your listeners too, um, if they haven't looked at it already, um, the Gosnell movie and the Gosnell prosecution out east. Mm-hmm. So very similarly, they showed in his home how he had fetal remains and in the clinic. And originally they went in um, because he was arrested for drug charges. But when they looked and saw the remains, it gave them questions, you know, and they investigated. But they're very similar, actually, if, if you look at that. And so the whole trial uh, of Gosnell is very interesting for your lawyer audience to get more information about. Yeah, and, and to just think about how people would react if if they were to to find out that a doctor in Illinois had, you know, other human remains <laughs> in his or her home. Um, you know, what kind of public outcry would there be there? Um, a desire to to have answers and desire to revisit um, how we think about. Um, life and, and the medical profession here in this state. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Terry Liu of the law firm of Mock and Baker. If you miss part of this show or want to hear other Lawyers for Jesus interviews, visit mockbaker.com. You can also subscribe to our Religious Liberty newsletter and follow us on Facebook and Twitter for legal updates with a biblical perspective. Today we've been speaking with Rita Lowry Gitchell, defense attorney concentrating on legal issues involving frozen human embryos about a doctor who died recently, and there were extensive fetal remains found in his home. Uh, So, Rita, can you tell us more about your work and interest in the legal status of embryos? Sure. Uh, Basically, I think I have always been pro-life because I grew up in a large family, and my mother was often pregnant, so I got to feel life before it was born. So it's easier for me than perhaps other people who've been given different information uh, to be pro-life. And then... What's a large family? uh, Seven, six brothers and myself. But my mother also had eight miscarriages. So I understand the depression women can go through after loss of life and, you know, the effect that it has. And back in the day, women often weren't supported. They kept all their problems, you know, to themselves. So I I had exposure there, and then my father was a U.S. attorney, and he had a case back in the 70s where um, before Roe versus Wade, a doctor in Alabama did not refer a woman out to go outside of Alabama and to have an abortion when she had rubella or German measles, and they argued that the doctor should have told the mother that the baby could be deformed and she could have had um, an abortion. And at that time, I remember my father arguing, 
who can argue on behalf of the child? Is she going to tell us that she wished she had no life at all? We have people protecting turtles and bald eagles and the snail darter, but who will speak for the unborn and the value of life? So very early, um, it was it was easy for me to have a heart for the pro-life movement. And I think professionally, um, I worked in the area of medical malpractice defense, and I had someone tap me on the shoulder one day and say, Rita, we have a problem. People who've created embryos can't decide what to do with them, and we think you're the one to work on this problem. So I worked finding out what people could do, what choices they had, and then the Thomas More Society knew that I knew about human embryos and different decisions. So they asked me to work with them in cases where couples in divorce were fighting over whether the embryos would live or die. Mm -hmm. And so then I came in at the amicus level on behalf of the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists to argue and present to the court facts. And I've actually asked the court to take judicial notice of these facts, just like the sun rises and sets. When a sperm and an egg come together, you have a human embryo. And in fact, you don't have to be necessarily pro-life or a strong Christian. I know that I've heard Dr. Renee Para, who was a researcher at Stanford, she's now up in Montana, talk about, she was asked, you know, what is a human? And she said it's not consciousness and spirituality, but on day one, a sperm and egg come together and we have a human embryo. And Stanford had some great research that wasn't available to the court at the time of Roe versus Wade. Um, so you mentioned that there are often cases involving a couple that's getting divorced and they're trying to decide what will happen to the embryos. What is the current legal framework for navigating that? And is there an issue with that framework, in your opinion? <laughs> that's a loaded question with a lot of things. So one, you have to think about where are you? Okay. Mm -hmm. what, what country are you in? What laws do they have? If you're in England, where you have socialized medicine and the government can take charge, they say after a certain amount of years, the embryos are destroyed. If you're in Louisiana, they declare that a human embryo is a human judicial person. And if the parents can't decide what to do, the doctor's allowed to be the guardian of the embryos and to find another couple to take the embryos so that they can continue their life. And a lot of people don't understand frozen embryos, what's that? Probably most of your listeners relate to hand solo being stuck in cryopreservation. Mm -hmm. Your molecules are so slowed that it's like time stands still. They don't freeze dead embryos. So what happens is the embryos are frozen, and then as they thaw, they watch and see if they continue to grow, if they have survived the thaw. So that's the first thing sometimes for people to get hmm. their head around is to understand, wow, you mean these, these are already fertilized? Yes. They are already male or female? Yes. Hmm. <laughs> they are growing, you know, and able to be identified. Mm. One of the things I try to do with lawyers is say, look online and learn about embryonic development. You can find that online, you know, at the Virtual Human Embryo a Development website. Great. Coming up, we will talk further with Rita Lowry-Gitchell about what we can expect from the law regarding the legal rights of embryos in the future. I'm Terry Liu, and this is Lawyers for Jesus.
back to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Terry Liu, an attorney at Mock and Baker, a law firm based in Chicago, which serves churches, ministries, businesses, and individuals with their legal needs. If you missed the first part of this show and want to listen online, go to mockbaker.com forward slash radio. Today, we've been speaking with Rita Laurie Gitchell, defense attorney concentrating on legal issues involving frozen human embryos about the legal rights of embryos. So Rita, before the break, uh, you mentioned that... Um, this is an extraordinarily complicated area of law. Um, it depends where you are and and um, how you're approaching it and potentially what's involved in the equation. Um, as Christians, uh, is there something you can share with us about what the Bible says on this topic? Absolutely. When I was in prayer working over this, it just so happened that I heard a sermon about um in Luke, when we think about Mary, and the Bible doesn't use the word haste very often, but it says Mary with haste after the angel came to her went to see Elizabeth. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And many of your listeners out there may be thinking of John the Baptist leaping, and yeah, we know that's pro-life. But how many think about how old was Christ? How many biblical scholars in your office can say, how many days did it take Mary to travel? Mm. So for my own study and research, I learned that might be 10 days. Mm. So we think of Christ as the embryo who filled Elizabeth with the Holy Spirit. We know that that was Christ working through Mary to bring the Holy Spirit there. Mm. So that gave a whole different dimension. Many times embryos are treated as property, Mm. like for research. Mm. But if we treat a human being as property, what does that say? Sure. Yeah, yeah that's a really, really interesting point. Um, and so uh, how has uh, that realization, that realization you had about um, just that interaction between Mary and Elizabeth, how has that personally impacted your approach or your heart regarding this issue? It made it clear to me that like, what would Christ want? What would he want research? I don't think so. If at 10 days, he's blessing Elizabeth and filling her with the Holy Spirit, he's there, he is present. And so when we have a human being present, we should treat, you know, humans as human beings. Um, people sometimes it's, it's, it is complicated because it's hard. If you have a genetic-related disease, for example, you may want to go through IVF because you may want pre-implantation genetic diagnosis to learn which of the embryos might carry a trait that you would rather your child not have. Mm. But God created us all. Mm. And even with that trait, you are worthy of human dignity and respect. So once you are created, what would Jesus do? If you were that embryo, wouldn't you want to live? Mm. Um, Certainly in thinking about um, my own relationships, uh, I know that um, more and more couples are having kids uh, later on in life. um, And some uh, people are turning to to IVF as uh, a solution to to maybe fertility issues, Um, has the increasing use of IVF and similar technologies uh, um, exacerbated the the issue of legal status for embryos? Um, The legal status will still depend right now on your state law. 
pretty much is how it's litigated right now um, in America. But there are problems and issues that came up. For example, you can find recent newspaper articles. One was about um, women who would freeze their eggs or perhaps create embryos, but then they would find out that the embryos didn't continue to live. Mm. Or, you know, the and the difference between some women can freeze their eggs instead of embryos. Embryos, to be clear, is a sperm and an egg coming together a sure. new life. Freezing eggs is no longer experimental. If you if you do that, you know, then you're only losing eggs. But there's no guarantee that if you undergo IVF that the child is going to continue to live, you know, and to um, be born. So I am concerned, and there's a concern among lawyers, if you are pressuring women Mm-hmm. under a benefit to freeze their eggs or create embryos on the idea that get your working years done. You know, is, is that good for society? Is there any benefit to young parents? Sure. Um, do you have any hopes on how the law regarding frozen embryos will change in the future? What I really hope is that the court will start taking judicial notice of the facts Stanford did research and they found out that this is not just cells, but everything is working together. Maureen Kondek is a neurobiologist who has a wonderful law review out there that explains that an organism is when everything grows and is working for the good of the whole. And if you remember back in the days of embryonic stem cell research and the Shirley versus Sibelius case, the court recognized a cell taking out of an embryo that becomes a stem cell line is not the whole organism. Mm. So there's a difference between a cell and an embryo as an organism. But I don't know that that's being communicated to people. We've got to stop the clump of cells. We have to realize these are lives and all potential stops when you terminate the life. These are not potential life. This is created life. And our country in the Declaration of Independence, what was the basis for your rights? Do your rights come from the government or are they God-given? And is it the government's job in the Declaration of Independence to secure those rights? And if we were in England and you were a king, well, then you had divine rights. But here we decided the mere fact that you are created Mm is what endows you with unalienable rights. And that should be our framework going forward with the law. So that would be my hope that they recognize the principles in the Declaration of Independence. Sure. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Terry Liu of the law firm Mock and Baker. And we're talking to Rita Lowry-Gitchell, defense attorney concentrating on legal issues involving frozen human embryos about um, just the sense of where the rights of embryos um, that we should understand where those rights derive from. Um, And so, uh, Rita, uh, is there any alternative to destroying or indefinitely storing unwanted frozen embryos? Yes, and Congress actually wrestled with that question back when we talked about embryonic stem cell research as one option. Mm -hmm. Now, people might want to think that they're going to give their embryos to research, but do researchers want those embryos? Are they doing a particular study? Are they willing to take them? Who's going to pay for storage at that time? What is the alternative? Congress also funded embryo adoption awareness. And a lot of people don't realize there are others out there who are willing to 
have the embryo. Some people prefer the word donation because they treat embryos more as property than to adoption, a more human way. But for example, the National Embryo Donation Center has birthed, I believe it's over 800 in June. They had a birthday Mm -hmm. celebration in honor of the 800 embryos that were placed for adoption and were born as a result. So embryo adoption is one. For some, it might be burial. Some make their embryos into jewelry. I mean, these are the different things that people have done with embryos. I'm not saying as a Christian, you know, all of those options are Christian options. Um, But those are what people do. Hmm. And um, are are there any other legal bioethical challenges that you've encountered through this advancement of technology? Um, Absolutely. If you're someone doing transportation, can you ship embryos? Or do we change the name and call them pre-embryos because they're not implanted in the womb and then treat them as property? Okay, there's laws about shipping human embryos. Um, What about inheritance law? How does that affect things? What about if we just take part of an embryo? Um, There was recent news that came out in Popular Mechanics about they've coaxed embryonic stem cells to become a brain and the brain in the dish, just like you have the heartbeat that can grow in, in the petri, just just a part, not a whole being, not a whole person, but a tissue part. And the brains in the dish can send a signal to a robot and get it to walk. They um, have taken the embryonic stem cell out and notice when they grow it in the dish, it's like it wants to turn into an embryo and act similar. So they call them embroids. And they call the organs that they try to develop from the embryonic stem cells organoids. So mm. obviously bioethics, this is a big issue now. How, how, how far do you go in this research? What checks are there? Originally, the American Association for Reproductive Medicine only wanted embryonic stem cells to grow for 14 days because after that, you might see a neural crust develop or like a spine, Hmm. okay, in development because the embryonic stem cell doesn't have the placenta and cord parts and can never be a person. Hmm. Rita, thank you for speaking with us today. How can people learn more about your work in this area? Well, you know, the Christian Legal Society is having a conference here in Chicago at the end of October. I will be speaking on what Lincoln would want to know about a human embryo, and I will cover the different legal theories of an interim status, personhood, or property. And um, I would love to see your listeners at the conference. Yeah. And I want to return to uh, just what you shared about your father's question. Um, You know, as an embryo, uh, unable to speak, unable to assert rights, um, who will recognize those rights? and who will protect and speak on behalf of those embryos. I think that's a question that we all need to wrestle with today. If you have a legal need or a question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact us at Mock and Baker. You can reach us at 312-726-1243 or at mockbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Visit our website to subscribe to our Religious Liberty Newsletter with legal updates or call us and mention Lawyers for Jesus for a free consultation. Thank you for listening. I'm Terry Liu, attorney at Mock and Baker, and this is Lawyers for Jesus. Gonna have to save somebody. 
Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody. 